everyone, uh, it's Dave. I am back uh, with another podcast. It's Legends of the Spire. This is the uh, the podcast that talks to the former players and managers of Chesterfield FC. And I am finally back after a little break uh, with a new podcast with A.D. Shaw. Now, A.D. Uh, had some formative years at Nottingham Forest under Brian Clough. Uh, met some good friends there, including Paul Hart, uh, former Chesterfield manager. And that's how he ended up being at Chesterfield for a couple of seasons from 1988 to 1990. In that time, we got relegated, but then did have a playoff final uh, where we narrowly lost to Cambridge. And unfortunately, after that, he had to retire early uh, in his kind of early mid-20s. Um, and instead of leaving the club, actually spearheaded the new community side of the football club. So he was involved in loads of youth uh, coaching, loads of the community things that go around the town. And uh, also um, in the women's game as well, uh, where we had a chat and mentioned former guest uh, Jane Haslam. He uh, he's now works for the EFL, where he's been for years and years and years. Uh, but we had a good chat, firstly about his playing career, uh, but then also his time at Chesterfield after that, including all of the community work he did, and also working alongside John Duncan and Kevin Randall. Some good FA Cup 97 memories in there too. If you haven't seen already, I do have the latest issue of um, the fanzine that's come out. It's now been renamed to Legends of the Spire instead of Linda's Sandwich Shop. So issue number five is out now. Um, link is in the thing at the bottom. Please buy a copy if you can. And if you want to contribute to uh, a further issue, then uh, just get in touch. You can write about absolutely anything, send in photos, drawings, whatever it is, get in touch. But without further ado, let's crack on with the podcast because it has been a little while. Here we are with the latest episode. A guy who I have a huge respect for and really enjoyed having on the podcast. It is A.D. Shaw. Here we go. it all kind of start for you then because obviously you're count merton is it merton? yeah county yeah. durham yeah up in the near merton in near just outside of durham, in between durham and sunderland mm -hmm. and uh basically just started as as like everybody else does school teams start playing football at a young age i had an older brother brothers uh graham who who was four years older so i was brought up where joined in with them straight away at six seven eight year old and being pushed around but you know, when I look back, it taught us so much about probably the way I ended up be, becoming a professional footballer. You know, obviously hard work and graft and, and being a, you know, strong tackler and win, you know, be very competitive in, in what I did. You know, and, I, and I've taken probably that into to, to all my life, really. I'm very competitive at, at most things and uh, I want to win still, you know, at everything. You know, so everything I actually do, I still want to win. You know, I mean, which uh, which is good, but but yeah. So and then I I ended up obviously the first real games I went to was uh, was my local team was Sunderland. So I think that, you know I think that, I think I went with my brother for the first time, uh, which was nearly a bus. We used to have to get a bus, uh, which was about a half an hour, and then walk from the bus station to Old Roker Park at the time, which is about half a mile mile down the road. Uh, and I think the first time I can remember was being on the in the the full end, which was the the end, which was had a which had a cover on, mm -hmm. uh, at eight year old, and uh, my brother used to go at the back with all the the big boys, and I was at the front with all, and and it was great when when you look back, and you know I know the stadiums have much improved over the years, but I started in one corner and finished it in the other corner, you know, with without my feet touching the ground, yeah. you know what I mean. So so that that was the that was really the start of where I started really. Um, 
been the bug quarters, really. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's uh, and it's never changed. You know, and uh, I think they, you look back and you think, well, you know, is there any games that you really remember? I remember watching obviously the '73 Cup final. Uh, the, the one game I remember, I think West Ham. I can't remember what year it was. West Ham had just won the cup, the FA Cup, and uh, on the Saturday they played Sunderland on the Tuesday. And you know, and I always remember going to that game, and the the atmosphere outside the stadium was was terrific. Mm. Was, Trevor Brooken was playing, and people, you know, that era, and uh, and it was it was it was brilliant. And, and I think that's the time when it really caught us, and I got hooked on it on big time. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. yeah so it was. Uh, so it's, it's like everything else. Most people they get brought up with within school. It was a footballing area, the northeast. You know, everybody. You know, you finish school and and basically you went outside for three hours without having any tea, and then you came in and got your tea. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and you know, it's me, me mum and dad used to always say, you know, the hardly ever saw it. You know, uh, and then when it was half term or or holiday period, you know, you, you were always out and about. You know, so it was uh, that's uh, out and about, basically playing football against a different street. So it'll be, you know, it could be like five versus five, or it could be twenty-two versus thirty-two. You know, it was, yeah, yeah. It was that sort of. Which again, in them areas, the roads weren't as busy as they are because you know we put the the, the goalposts where you, your jumpers and roads, yeah. Like that. But I, I was very fortunate that uh, I probably dictated it all when I was a young kid because I think it was me mum and dad who my dad was a a baker coal miner and so we didn't have a great deal of money but I was always able through grandparents I had the I had the football I had the ball mm. uh, when I came to the cricket season I had the cricket bat and the ball when I came to Wimbledon I had the tennis racket so <laughs> I, you know everybody seemed to come around where I was you know what I mean which uh, yeah, yeah. good memories you know you look back and, and you think yeah good memories so, so you got picked up by obviously a big club in Forest yeah, um, and I've, this is an interesting time because obviously I've spoken to uh, Bryn Gunn and Calvin Plummer, yeah. uh, who are obviously around there at the time, and Paul Hart, Paul Hart yeah. will have been around there at the time. So I'm guessing this is where later on, when you come to Chesterfield, that that kind of connection from yeah. when you started there in the early '80s probably it comes does. through. It does, yeah, without doubt. Obviously, I used to uh, when I first went to Forest with, as they did then, everybody had uh, certain players that they had to look after. And my 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 main four was Han Van Brooklyn, Peter Shilton, Viv Anderson, Ian Boyer, and then it was Ian Wallace. And then basically I think I had Paul Hart for about three or four months and then Paul Paul left to be fair. So but yeah, so that was the link. And and, and when I was a young lad, uh, obviously uh Bryn, Bryn Gunn was a regular first team player by then and Calvin was, you know, so that I think that it, when I moved up to Chessfield, that was the that was the link. You know, I mean, I knew Paul Hart anywhere from from obviously being at Forest together, but uh, I was I think I was very fortunate in my time there, David, that um, I'd gone at the right time at Forest, where they just won the two European Cups. Uh, you know, they, they were they went all over all over the world, Forest, just playing games, really. You know, what I mean, yeah. and the youth team went on to that. You know, they went they, they got part of that, and it's when I say part of it, they would get invited to. Um, sort of Barcelona, the first team to play a tournament against, you know, Barcelona, Nottingham Forest, AC Milan, and, and, and then a week later, the youth team would mirror that. So when I was like 16, I first went to Forest, I'd never been abroad. Mm. By the time I was probably 18, 19, I'd been to, I think it was about 20 different countries, you know, <laughs> but not seeing them because what we did, we flew in, played the game and flew out. 
Yeah. So when we say, well, what's that city like and that? Don't know, really, because we just flew in and flew out. But it, but it was a really exciting time. And and obviously, we had, we had a manager at the time as well who was, you know, I still believe he, he was outstanding. Mm. He was an outstanding American. I do a lot of work now with, within the clubs, as, as you know, and it's uh, and people talk about psychology and all that. Cluffy was doing that when he, you know, in 1980, 80, 81, 82, 83. Mm. You know, uh, you know, and the things that he was doing then was, you know, people say this at all new. No, it wasn't. You know, good managers at the time were doing it anyway. You know, yeah. when people talk about oh, this guy's a good manager, and you know, Terry Venable has just passed away, who was probably one of the best coaches I saw. But when you speak to people, and I never, I was, I wasn't in his company. Harley's ever saw a, a couple of sessions where he did for the FA at the time, um, but. You know, just reading some of the articles today, one worry was good was a man manager. Mm. And you, every, you know, you got 11 players, everybody's an individual. What makes that individual tick? You know, and I think the best managers and the best coaches just that early doors. Well, you've got to be a leader, haven't you, as opposed yeah. to a manager, haven't you? Yeah, you know, and, and it, but the times at Forest, you know, we had, we had, we didn't have any superstars. You know, we had, we had good players and then he, he actually bought, when I was there, he bought people like Justin Fashion New uh, and uh, Trevor Francis for a million. Well, Justin came for a million quid. Uh, and but, and then I think, we, we, you know, one of the stories was Gary Mexon. We bought Gary Mexon and, and Clovey didn't play him because Gary Mexon had bought a brand new car, I think, and, and Clovey didn't like that, so he didn't play him. You know, you know Justin Fashion New came. And because Justin at the time, again, probably in in front of the game, he had his own personal master, and and Clubby didn't like that. So, it, you know, he, you know, without getting into too much detail, Clubby banned him from the training ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, you know, and you try to think of things like that now. One of the top managers doing that, which one or two at Man United have done that in the last, with mm-hmm. not mentioned the names, uh, they've get they've let them go like that. You know what I mean? And it's uh, but like I say, Clubby did that. In the early days, and he and uh, you know, I, I think I think what I, I was speaking to a coach a few days ago, and we were talking about it again the lad who was at Forest with me, and uh, and we both said, you know, what we learned is it's 16, 17, 18 year olds, the discipline, not just the discipline being a footballer, the discipline, what we taught, we were taught and brought up with at Forest is is stayed with us, you know, that was 17, you know, I'm talking about 50 years ago now, nearly, you know, that the same. Same principles, the same discipline is still in me. What I learned from from Cluffy then, yeah, you know, and it's in uh, it, you know, yeah, I've got nothing but uh, prayers for the club at that time. It was terrific, you know, and, and it's great to see Coops now down there. Um, you know, got them back into the Premier League, and that's where they should be. You know, what I mean, because it's yeah, uh, well, they're kind of a proper football club, aren't they? And, it is, and that's, that's kind of you know, you know, know I, I, I think what a lot of people forget, Cluffy took when he went there with Peter Taylor. You know that I think just in the, the old first, the old second division, I think they were. You know what I mean? So it was like, uh, and to bring them up, and then within sort of a few years to become sort of European champions, not just once but twice. You know what I mean? It is is you know it, it, it won't that won't be done now. Mm. You know what I mean the way it is with the size of the club and things like that. And don't for, you know we don't forget in them days it was a knockout competition. From day one, it wasn't yeah, the league yeah. races where you played four, five, six games. It was a do or die straight away, which probably helped Forrest in the time, really. You know, there was a home and away leg, and that was it. You know, but uh, yeah. but yeah, we like I say we had, but but the the discipline and everything came from um, 
the gaff rate downwards and from the players, everybody mingled in together. You know, mm. and it, you know, you talk about it was a it was a close knit family with good players, but there was no big heads. There was, no, and if you were a big head, there was only one big head, wasn't there? And that was the gaffer. So, so, so and if you got a, if you got above that, you weren't there long. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, so what uh, what kind of how would you describe yourself as a player then back then? Um, very honest. I, I've always said, I'm, you know, you get what you see. You know, I was a hard worker. I was a I was a ball winner. I was a tackler. Uh, you know, out of probably me, I think I played about 150 league games. I played the majority at centre half. You know what I mean? Which is, so I was always not the biggest five ten, but I was always decent in the air. You know, but I, yeah, I, I was more of a ball winner, uh, and I, and I could, you know, I wasn't I wasn't quick. That was probably one of my downfalls, uh, which uh, even in them days you needed. But I always thought I'd a, my brain was a little bit quick. I knew where things were, uh, and I was a decent passer. But I knew. I knew where my level would be. You know, I went on loan up to Halifax uh, during the when I was at Forest, and yeah, found that found that difficult to start with because at Forest we were, we were even with Clubby we were a passing team. You know, we didn't get fined, but people used to say if you pass the ball over fifteen yards, you got fined. You know, so it had to be short, sharp, and probably like the modern footballers do now. But we ended up, uh, you know, going up to Halifax at the time we were in the you know on loan taught us a great deal about. Football in general, but it was a total different environment. You know, it was a different environment where, even though we had a guy called Mick Jones, who was one of the coaches at Forest with me, and that's why I, I moved up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the uh, the old fourth division it was a it was a tough league, but very little football played. So when you were a midfield player, and you were you hardly got a kick of the ball. You know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. it was uh, so it was difficult, and it's uh, but now it was yeah, it was. Uh, that was my time up there, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but, and and you yeah. did end up then. So that was like eighty four, I think, wasn't it? You kind and of went yeah, on was, yeah, and then, yeah. yeah I went and then you end up signing permanently, didn't you? I did. I went up there eighty four, and and I was unfortunately my father had just passed away, so I didn't really have that uh, personal contact to say, Dad, look, you know, uh, I've been on loan, I've, I've done really well. Uh, I'm going back to Forest. I got offered another two year contract to go back to Forest. But what happened was I missed the buzz of playing on a Saturday, mm. you know, because I, I ended up, you know, one of the, which I think it's happened to quite a few folks, to be fair, where I'd gone up there, played at, at Halifax, been up there three months, uh, and about two weeks before my loan finished, I got off, Mick Jones called us in and said, look, he goes, uh, the gaffer wants you back, this is Thursday morning. He said, and I think you're going to make your debut for the first team, because he goes, you've, you've done quite well in the chat we've had. And I've gone, all oh, right. So I phoned, you know, I phoned my dad and said, look, you know, can you get time off work, blah, blah, blah. And uh, went back to Forest. And uh, every Friday morning, the team sheet would go up on, on the dressing walls or just outside. There was a little room. So you had the, the youth team, then the reserves and the first team. So I've gone to sort of the, the youth team, not in the youth team. Obviously, I just played 20 games at Halifax. So I didn't expect, I thought I was a little bit better than, uh, than the youth team at the time. And then I went to the reserves, not in there. And I thought, oh, cracking here. I've got, uh, I've got a chance going to down to Southampton. My name wasn't on, on any of them. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm there at the corner. I'm looking at the corner of my eye, and the gaffer's watching me looking at the team sheets. And he, he's turning. He said, oh, right, "Come to me. I can't do the accent now. You know." <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, come to me office. And he virtually said, "Look, um, uh, there's only one big head at this club. I've heard you've done so well up there, but there's still only one big head, and that's me." Uh, I want you to come. The under-15s are playing on a Sunday morning. I want you to come and play for them. 
So I'd actually played a league game on the on the on the Tuesday night, went back to Forest on the Thursday, expecting to make my debut at Southampton. And I played I played 20 minutes in an under 15 game. And then he and, and to be fair to the gaffer, he was there. And then I got a call after about 15 minutes. Yeah, right, Ginger. Off you go, go home, see you tomorrow. And that was it. You know, it's, it, it's uh, you know, and, and I'm you know, there's one or two. I know Mark Crosley goes around the circuit, and there's a few lads doing the circuit, mm. and they tell stories similar to that. But that's that's what happened. Yeah. You know, he, he, he just brought you down to earth. You know, and, and he, you know, I can't speak, you can't speak highly about him really in that regards. You know, and he, you know, you look back again, and I signed my first book contract at 17, and it was in the reserves, and it was against was a little guy called Johnny Morris. Who was, you know, only a young lad as well. And in he tore us apart. He tore us apart about two minutes before the end. It was, I think it was nil-nil. And I've tried to shield the ball to work a player. And uh, and he's just put his foot around, brought it in, and the, the scored one-nil. Uh walked in, got a right, good old telling off from the coach and stuff at the time. Got a phone call and it's t- nine o'clock the following morning, and Gaffer wants to see us. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go, flipping out, you know, because I was coming, you know. And he just said, uh, right, seen enough, just sign that contract. <laughs> so he goes, and I, and I start reading it. He said, no, don't read it, you sign it. <laughs> and that was it. So what do you do? You sign it. Yeah, you know yeah. what I was signing for, but uh, it was all right, you know. So it was, he picked you up when you needed to be picked up, or he, he knocked you down when you thought you. you yeah, know. yeah. How do you react, though, when someone, you know, from your playing staff comes in and says, boss, I think you've got, I think you're doing this wrongly? Good. Well, I ask him which way he thinks it should be done. We get down to it, and then we talk about it for 20 minutes, and then we decide I was right. So you ended up then, so like you say, under odd games for Halifax. I used to work in Halifax, nice yeah. nice town. Um, yeah. And then you end up coming to Chesterfield in, yeah. what, 1988. You'd had like a little bit of, what, what happened in between yeah. Halifax yeah. and then coming to Chesterfield? Well, I, I, I left. To Halifax, and then I actually went to uh, Bridlington Town. Mm. I moved to Bridlington Town. There was a, there was a, a manager there called uh, Colin Appleton. He used to be manager at Hull City, and he just called us up one day and he just said, "Here he goes." Uh, and that w- it was within a couple of days of being released at Halifax, and uh, and he said, "Look, he goes, uh, I've just spoke to the manager at Halifax, Billy. Uh, he goes, I understand financially the club can't. I, I was probably one of the bigger." Peers at Halifax time couldn't afford to keep us and things like that. Uh, he said, "Do you want to come and just train and play for us?" And uh, so I went with him, and and I ended up. It was, and he said, "Look, we'll give you." And I think I was on two hundred fifty quid, some of that. He said, "We'll give you exactly what you had in Halifax." And I said, "Ah, oh, brilliantly." Uh, so I played on the Saturday. And then we had a, a game on the Tuesday, and I got another two hundred and fifty quid. And I and I've gone, "What's this?" And he said, "Well, two hundred fifty quid." I said, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I was on 250 quid a week. I'm getting 250 quid a game at Bridlington. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, it's, uh, and, and it was the, the chairman, Richardson, can you remember the lad who went to Doncaster? And I think he, uh, I think uh, the stand didn't last long when I think he was in charge of it. I think the stand burned down. And I think uh, for <laughs> dodgy reasons, I think, in, the, in that time. But yeah, so I went to Bridlington. Then, then I went to York City. Um, there was a, a guy called uh, um, Alan Little. Uh, sorry, Alan Little, who was Brian Little's. Uh, he, he he was there, and then uh, Derek Fazatli. Uh, he, he he was there. So I, I went to York and played 
just on loan, like I say, it was just in between. So they're trying to get a club and um, played about four or five games, I think, for York. And, but the same scenario came, you know, like it is now, you know, you know, we've got a squad. We can't afford to take your own blah, you know. So I had about six months where I was just going from Bridlington to York and then, you know, and that was it. So, and it worked out quite well. But and then I obviously I got the opportunity to do, uh, I got a phone call from Paul Hart and just said, look, what you're up to. I told him I was at York. He said, well, that's what I'm asking because he goes, I've seen you uh, or one of me uh, scouts have seen you at York and you're playing and blah, blah. And, you know, and then my knees were starting to go. You know, I mean, they weren't terrific, to be fair. I, you know, and uh, he said, how's your knees? I said, well, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm having a job. You know, so so I ended up coming to Chesterfield and I actually played. And it happened ever so quick, really, at Chesterfield. It was one of these where I think that I got the phone call on the Monday. I came, he said, look, he goes, I need to see you in a game. He goes, and the owner wants to see you in a game that we had like Norton Lee at the time uh, to see that you're, you're fit and you, mm. your knees are all right and everything else. And he said, we're not going to do medical because he goes, we know that wouldn't happen, you know. And I said, fair enough. So I, I came and, and we played against, we didn't even play against an old team. In fact, it was just a, a mixture of people, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and it was one of those games where everything I did came off, you know what I mean? So... So that was on the that was on the Wednesday, I think it was. And then he phoned us up and said, "Well, you know, we'll we'll go off you." I said, "I've been so." So and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And I think I think I think the first game for Chesterfield was probably a week later, and we played. Uh, well, it was Boxing Day. We played. I think the Huddersfield in the, yeah. uh, in the league. I think it was Huddersfield in the league. You know, so so that that was it. So we played Huddersfield on the Saturday, and then with it being the Christmas period, we went to Sheffield United. I think on the on the the twenty eighth. Uh, so then we were first two games, which uh, the Sheffield, Sheffield United one was an interesting one because, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, just meeting the new, you know, new players there. And at the time, you know, there was uh, like people like Kevin Arnott and and, and Robert Lane and, and Bob Bloom who was there, Andy Morris, you know, Bob and Andy was like myself, we still only young lads at the time. And, uh, and like I say, we went to, we played, we went to Sheffield United and, as you do, your team coach and got on there, and we actually won the game. You know, mm-hmm. we were they were top, we were bottom. We actually won the game, and probably Bob Bloomer might have mentioned this to you before. He, he did, yeah. <laughs> but it'd be Bob's interesting a, to get your yeah, perspective. <laughs> yeah, Bob's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter, and he. Uh, so he. So anyway, the game. So I think I think we won two one. To be fair, I think we beat them two one. So at the end of the game, I've just got like you do to the the Chesterfield fans, you probe them, and I'm walking off into into the the dressing room. So I'm in the dressing room for about 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, where is everybody? There's not one person came in the dressing room. And I'm talking about Paul Hart, Chris McMenemy, Dave Rushbury, the physio, none of the staff. I'm thinking, well, where the hell is everybody at? So I've actually gone out, looked at the dressing room door to make sure it was the, the right dressing room, you know. And I'm thinking, well, it is because we closed it here and things like that. So I've actually gone back out on the pitch and been at the tunnel area. And I just looked up. And every when they had fences at the time still at, at grounds, and Bob Bloom was on the fence giving it, you know, you know, celebrating. And I'm thinking, what club have I come to here? We borrowed my league and we celebrate like we've won the FA Cup. So and it was, uh, but again, that's that was the passion of the lads, and I think that's what Paul Hart and, and uh, Chris McMurray certainly instilled into a, that group of players at the time. But this is. Chesterfield's first corner of the match.
Ely. And it's a goal, it's Morris. Put in Chesterfield in front by three goals to one. Again, we didn't have big superstars at the time. I think Pollard took over and he, need, he knew he needed to get rid of one or two players. And because uh, I think we had a chairman at the time, Norton Lee, who was always very careful with how much money we were spending. And a things few, like yeah, that. a few players have said, you know, yeah. he cut the bars yeah, open half. And exactly, like that. that's it. You know, so it was, I think uh, they were run on a really tight budget, which, so I think, you know, I think if Pollard was given his, his head at the time and Chris McMenny when he took over, I think you know we would have probably we might have just stayed up. You just you don't know, do you? It's hits and buds. But uh, but yeah, that was my first couple of games. Thinking, wow, what club have I come to here? You well, know? yeah, it's, it's interesting as well because obviously, like like you mentioned, so you your debut was Boxing Day, nineteen eighty eight, yes. that one one yeah. draw at Huddersfield, yeah, uh, with Huddersfield, and yeah. then we won the next four games, didn't we? So I think we it was did. Fulham, Sheffield United, Wigan, Bristol City. Was, I think yeah. so. Yeah. It must be difficult coming into a. A team that's bottom, but it yeah. obviously started off quite well for yeah, yeah. We start. We started like say, I think that period. We, you know, we, we all believed that. The one thing that when I walked into the dressing room, it felt like a club who wasn't bottom. You know, what I mean, it, you know, we there was a, quite a few young lads. You know, like I've mentioned, one or two of them there, but we had one or two of the older heads as well. You know, with the Kevin Arnott's because again, Kevin Arnott when I was a Sullen fan. He was one of my idols when I was growing up, to be fair. So it was like playing alongside my idol at one stage. Mm-hmm. But it but it was people, you know, we didn't have any sort of any thoughts of what we were we we're doing. We just got on with the job in hand. You know, there were a bunch of young lads, young players who just said, Well, let's go for it and see what happens. You know, and we went on that run. And but like I said, I think after the the four victories, I think we one or two picked up a few injuries. And then, you know, before you know, because I think that I think at the time we only had a squad of 15, 16 players. You get a few injuries and you, mm. you're really there, down to bare bones. And I, and I think it was Kevin Arnott probably who, if I, if I can remember, Kevin Arnott was one of the players who got injured. And then, you know, so that four, the, the four wins on the trot obviously became probably a couple of draws and a couple of losses after that. You know, and then you're, you're fighting up against it because I think the four wins just got us in touch and distance of everybody else. Yeah. So that, I, think, I think when I went there, we're, we're probably 12 points away from the team above us. Never mind to try and keep safe, you know, mm-hmm. and what that four wins did, it brought us back in the pack, but still four or five points behind being safe, you mm-hmm. know, man. And it's, uh, so it was, uh, so it was difficult. And then obviously, you know, picking up a few injuries, it was, uh, it became really hard and it was a bit of a slog till the end of the season after mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? Cause we'll put, you know, Paul Art, like I said, Paul Art and Chris were terrific. They weren't putting any pressure on us, but I think as players, we started to put pressure on ourselves, as in, we need to win. Mm. You know, and then if you go 1-0 down, it'd become even harder. You know, and I think because we we were a young squad, I don't think we really knew how to handle that. You know, and it's... uh, But yeah, so it was a a tough sort of run in. Then obviously we we got relegated that season and it was then, um, you know, I think it gave Paul Hart an opportunity to... Um, get rid of a few of the lads which who were out of contract and then he brought in you know a few players you know I think like you say people like the Bring Guns and Calvin Plumbers and people like that you know who a little bit more experienced which was a again with um, with uh, the connection at Forest you know with Paul Hart that that, that worked quite well um, you know we, I think I signed the same time as Tony Bryan did you know Tony was a terrific 
terrific lad, terrific. You know, the lads will have told you in the past, terrific lad. I think you've had Tony on anyway. Yeah, I've had Tony on. Uh, right, yeah. You know, fantastic, fantastic player, but great lad as well. You know, man, and it's. Uh, I think he was. He, I think he was bought for about 125 grand the day before I came for nothing. You know, man. <laughs> he was. You, you wouldn't know. You know, again, Tony was one of the one of the lads who, you know, he, he worked damn hard. You know, yeah. but we. That uh, so I think that era. I think that time Paul Hartz uh, was able to bring a few players in, which he did, and uh, you know, and it was. But we all knew it was going to be again a long hard season. Mm. You know, and then. Uh, and then I think uh, halfway through the season, I think uh, I, I got injured again, and I think he brought then uh, Sean Deitch. Deitch came to the club, you know, and we, we again, you know, we all know Sean as the, the manager now, but uh, he he was a terrific player as well, you know, and, and you know I was always surprised that uh, he didn't, I know he did go to some decent clubs, but I, I thought he would have went higher than where he mm. did you know, because he, he was really a. A good a typical leader, you know what you saw with Daichi, you, you got. Yeah, he was yeah, a leader, for 17, 18, 19 years old. You know what I mean? And it's uh, re, re, and, a, and a good lad with it. And that's I keep I keep mentioning that, don't because at the time at Chesterfield we did have good people, and people who basically had the club at heart, and we all grafted together. Yeah. You know, uh, but unfortunately, it, it didn't work out the way probably Paul Hart wanted, or or even myself, you know, because. Uh, midway through that season, or at the end of the season, I, I virtually had to retire. Then through uh, me knees just giving away. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you know. I well, remember getting it. Uh, went to Doncaster, got a bad. Uh, went in for a tackle, uh, and I, to be fair, I, I went to win the ball, would just slightly go over the top of the ball, but unfortunately, the player he knew I was coming in, and he went a little bit higher, and me knee just buckled, and that was that was the end of it. Uh, I did come back, and I, I start realising because every time I got injured after that, it wasn't a case of two weeks. It ended up being like a month and a half, a month and a half, and it was it was starting to get to us. But and then I got myself back fit just before the end of the season when we got the playoffs. I was going to say because you were you missed you missed a, a period, didn't you? But then you were yeah. on the you were the substitute, weren't you, against uh, I was. Stockport and and um, Cambridge. Cambridge, that's it. I, I ended up, uh, like I say, got myself really fit, or tried to get myself as fit as I could, and uh, and got in, myself in a position where I think I'd had about four or five reserve team games, so I knew I was all right, and uh, and just timed it slightly wrong, or but slightly right because it gave us an opportunity to do every boyhood's dream, and you know I didn't play at Wembley because I was substitute, but uh, but I, I walked out, you know, and I always say to people I ended up. Uh, before in the warm up, um, Chris McManey said to us, He said, What are you doing? I said, Chris, I'm at Wembley. I said, I'm taking this ball, and I'm going to take a penalty in that goal and a penalty in that goal. So when I'm older, people say, Have you scored at Wembley? I can say, Yes, I've scored twice one of that goal and one of that goal. <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out quite well. And, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, disappointing to the end of the season because I think, you know, we should have gone. You know, we, we should have gone up there. And it was one of these, when we got to to the Wembley as well, what I can gather from the powers of B, we ended up, um, obviously we had a, co- a contract with the club saying that if we won promotion, we'd get this, we'd get that. We didn't have anything in the contract to see if we got beat. So we actually went to Wembley and came away with not even a 50 quid bonus. <laughs> you know, but if we'd, if we'd won it, if we beat uh, Cambridge... Uh, I think Norton was going to fly us all off to Barbados and things like that. Which, to be fair to Norton, I think he did a few years later. 
um, when they did get promotion. He took the lads over to Barbados and things like that. But uh, but yeah, it was it was just a sad sad time because I think at the time we had a, a group of players and good management staff who uh, again had the club at heart. Mm. And it's uh, like I say, one game. But personally for me, it was I came back and and got myself into a position where I, I could be on the bench for both because at the time there was only two subs. You know, it wasn't like they have now where there's five. It was there was two subs. And I think at Wembley, I think me and Dave Waller were the subs, to be fair, at the time. I think Wall came on with about 10, 15 minutes to go. And that's uh, where it's like everything else, you keep warming up. I'm ready, Gaffer. I'm ready, Gaffer. But uh, he did, I didn't get on, but it was... Uh, it was it was, was a, a great experience. I, I was I was having a look on like the forums and things in the in yeah. the lead up to this, just seeing yeah. Uh, yeah. searching your name and things like that and seeing what people were saying. And there was quite a few people that were saying that kind of the loss of you and Keith Arnott was yeah. Uh, Arnott, yeah. quite quite um yeah. it was quite pivotal in that you know, the thing that it probably wouldn't have needed a playoffs mm. um, yeah. if we'd have managed to keep a few players fit. Is it That's- and, and, and that, that was that was the case. I think we just had bad injuries at the bad at the wrong time, and there weren't sort of little niggles. There were probably two, three week injuries, um, mm. which you know I think with Paul Art and Chris Mark, they they probably had to change the team quite regular, you know. And I think at the time when we had our decent runs, we, had, we had, there was a good balance, you know. There was me and Bob Bloomer and even Jimmy Hewitt came and started playing in midfield with us, as, you know, and Kevin Arnott and and you know, and we're all. All fine, but we never really had that settled, settled team in the in the end. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was just disappointing because I thought I, th- I think we that season I always believed we, we deserved to go up, mm. you know. What I mean? And it's uh, but that's that's what happens, you know. It's it's uh, it kicks you in the teeth sometimes this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. deserved to go up just from the Stockport. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it exactly. We had to play a final after that. Exactly, that's you know the, the first <laughs> the first game. Um, was it 4-1, 4-0, 4-1, I think. Yeah, yeah. 4-0, 4-0, yeah. And, uh, you know, so going to Stockport, we were we were really confident. Uh, but in the, still in the back of your mind, you thought, right, come on, let's, uh, let's not concede early doors. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so I think the first sort of 20 minutes, we, we did it in sections, really. Uh, let's get through the first 10 minutes, then get through the 20 minutes, then get through 30. And then you think to yourself, right, we're all right. And then I think we scored, which then, you know, eased it off a bit. But... Mm. Uh, that that was a it was an enjoyable journey coming back, shall we say, from Stockport that night. There was always a sense that after their four 0 win on Sunday, all Chesterfield had to do was turn up to qualify for Wembley. And after Bryn Gunn survived what looked like a blatant handball, it was clear Lady Luck was with them. When the luck looked like running out, Mick Leonard was equal to Stockport's best. But if anyone was going to score, it was perhaps inevitably Calvin Plummer who plundered a hat trick on Sunday. But credit for this goal to John Ryan who robs Brown, and Plummer makes life look easy. Now, there's never a bad time to score a goal, but if you've been waiting five years, a strike on target must be like manna from heaven. So imagine John Chidozzi's relief as he breaks what must have been one of the longest barren spells ever for a striker. We're, we're fortunate, I was fortunate, both as a, as a player, but even on the, on, when I went on the coaching side, it's, uh, you know, I, I think about, obviously, the playoff final, but then I think about the, the Liverpool game. You know, the Liverpool game that we had in the Middlesbrough game, you know, for a club like Chesterfield, you know, and we all we all talk about, we still talk about it, you know, we should have, it should have been us at Wembley that, that year, you know, and uh, I've never seen Elry since, and I would have thought the job I do now, I might have seen him somewhere around it about, but I haven't, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, 
but that's how it is. You know, you just move on, but you just wonder. It wouldn't have changed my my sort of life because I'd already retired, moved on to the coaching side, and and wasn't really part of the first team coaching side. I was I was doing more of the for that the Middlesbrough game. I was doing more of the scouting for John and and Kev Randall at the time. Just going again, just before we played Middlesbrough mm-hmm. in the first game, going up to watch Middlesbrough to see how they played, and you know, and I always remember coming back. And John said, well, what do you think? I said, well, there's a little lad called Janino. If you stop him, we might be able to keep the score down a bit. You know, because they were, I think they played the, the week on that Saturday and they were terrific. And, uh, you know, and then we, I think John decided to put Mark Jules. Up steps Mark Jules, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I remember being in the room because the Middlesbrough game was like a 12.30 kickoff. So I actually got back into Chesterfield by the time the first team game had finished. And we'd gone into John's office and, you know, to be fair to John and Kevin, they were terrific because they were, you know, as soon as one game finished, they were in the office for hours on end. And tactics board was, oh, what do you think of this? And they had every, every every detail, when every detail like they needed. So if something happened there, what happened there? If something happened there, what happened there? To the point that I think it, at one stage, I think Tony Lorma was playing midfield for a few games and things like that, you know. And, you know, it's, uh, but he was, uh, both of them were terrific and, and we were at it. I remember being in that office, and they, I can't remember who we the, the first team we played at home. To be fair, that day, uh, but we're in there till about half seven, quarter eight, just talking who can do and stop Janino. And we pull you, you were pulling players, and we think, nah, nah, not mobile enough, nah, not quick enough, nah. And then obviously it was. Uh, we all said, well, what about Julesy? You know, you know, which you know, I don't think John was uh, daft enough to realise that we could go and play Middlesbrough. And, Man to man and, and win, uh, but we had to stop their sources. We did, and and I think we did for the majority mm-hmm. of the game. You know what I mean? And and you know again, the boys were terrific. You know they, they were absolutely brilliant, and they deserved the all the praises they got in the lineup. And, and it put them into the you know the public eye, didn't it? Everybody, yeah, yeah. you know, Sean Dyche became uh, you know there was Billy Mercer, uh, Paul Holland. You know they all got decent moves after after that. You know, and and some of the lads. You know, you know, Jamie stayed, but even Jamie went and then come back. But you know, some of these the, the lads have uh, they've, they've done out, they've done well out of it. And it's uh, when I say done well out of it, it's pride, not the money side. It's yeah. the pride, and, and it's the memories. You know, and I, I think when Chesterfield were at home the other day in the in the cup, um, I think Jamie and Kevin Davis was mentioned it. Mm. You know, what I mean, so it's still in their minds. It'll probably still hurt them because they were actually on the on the pitch themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. everyone I've spoken to, I remember um, speaking to. I think it was Andy Morris when they'd been when yeah. they'd been they'd gone away on holiday, and the, the FA Cup final came on TV, and he right. said they all just walked out of the bar yeah. because it was I just know. yeah, yeah, it, and exactly. It, and it was just... interesting talking to John when I spoke to John Duncan about it. He said the one kind of regret he almost had was that when we equalised, he said they shouted for them to tighten up. And he said they should have done the opposite and said they should have gone gung ho and tried to yeah. win it. Yeah, because I think I think at the time Middlesbrough were on their racks, mm. you know what I mean. And it's because uh, it, it was like one of them. It, I think when you've got a team like Middlesbrough, the squad they had, you know, when you, it's it's ridiculous when you look at the team. You know, you actually looked at the team sheet and you think, wow, you know what I mean. But uh, and and so most of the time you only get one chance against teams like that, and uh, you know the, the replay. Everybody thought, oh, we did it, uh, you know, a few days ago, we'll do it again. But, you know, it was always going to be a hard task for for our players. 
you know, to recover from that emotions and and how the game panned out. Yeah. The Liverpool game, I see some people, you know, in town sometimes and come up here and say, I was at Anfield that night, you know what I mean? And it was terrific. And, you know, and again, the story, story of Chris McManny was the manager then and and he'd invited us to go along with, with himself, uh, not just for that game, for, for that season really and sit on the bench because he knew I wanted to be, uh, to, to, to basically get a little bit uh, higher in the coaching side and I, I wanted to become a manager and things like that. Uh, and Chris was terrific for me because he, he said, well, why, why don't you come to the games with us? Do the youth team and do the, what you need to do, but come to, if you can, come to the games, sit on the bench and see how it works. You know, <laughs> and I always remember, sorry, I'm laughing because I always remember, you know, most of the time it was great, normal, a normal game. And then we went, we were on the bench at Anfield, we went 3-0 up. And, and myself, uh, Dave Rushby, Steve Heskey, who was on the bench there, who was with Chris, and uh, and Chris just looked at us and he just said, Eddie, will you do us a favor? I said, Well, he said, Can you just hear us as hard as you can? And I've got, What are you on about, Gaffer? He said, Will you, you know, he, he swore a little bit, so, but I can't swear here. He said, Will you just hit me with your left hook as hard as you can? And I've gone, Yeah. I said, Why? He said, Because I must be good. <laughs> he goes, I'm in charge of a football club at Anfield and we're 3 0 up. You know, and then the rest's history, isn't it? But again, a few, a few players mentioned that at half time, everyone kind of came in and sat sat down in the dressing room, and that it was just kind of silence for about five minutes because no one really nobody knew what, what to say. Didn't say it. it was it was like that. It was you know again. I was I was just the observer. I wasn't part of the coaching staff at all. But it's with the first team, I was the youth coach at the time. But but so I was I was in the background really. But. You know, it was. It was like that. It was. It was one of those feelings where you'd walked in and you you were four 0 down, mm. and everybody was like stunned. You know, and it's you know. But again, fantastic, fantastic time for 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 the club. Fantastic time for the players. And uh, and like I say, it's uh, and people still talk about it. And that's mm. what football does. You know, it's uh, you know we always criticise. We always look at the negatives sometimes, not just in football but in life. You know, let's think about the positives. And, you know, I always say, uh, think about the positives. We'll be, the society and players and everybody else will be better for it. Mm. You know, and, it, and you know that, that's always been my motto, always be positive anywhere and whatever you do. If you get knocked down, get on your back again, get on and get up and, and do it and get knocked down did, again. You get did, on the that, did that kind of help you then? Because obviously, like at the end of that 1990 season, couple of years at Chesterfield, yeah. You've had obviously a relegation and then a nearly promotion yeah. <laughs> in yeah. two years. And then and then it all kind of stops for you and you have to re- retire and, and you're kind of early to mid-20s and then uh, kind of start on this other journey. And it's obviously it's great that the club was there to kind of help you out and yeah. trying to give you a, a foot into that. But it yeah. was, must have been hard, that transition of switching through. Yeah. Like I said earlier, David, it probably was, but it wasn't because I always wanted to be a coach. Mm. I always felt like I, I enjoyed coaching, you know. And, and it's uh, so, but I, I retired on the Saturday. I'd seen the the surgeon, and he told us, you know, you know, by the time I'm, if I don't stop by the time I'm forty, I'm, you know, I'll be in a wheelchair. That was that, that's how he put it to us. And uh, but I, so I ended up. That was on the I think that was on the Friday, and then on the Monday. Um, Chris called us in, and, and oh, it was Paul Hart to be fair, not Chris McMenny, and just said, "Look, uh, the uh, we think about starting a community scheme. Do you want to be a part of it?" Uh, and so I said, "You know, what's it entail?" And uh, and it was 
you know, it was what it was, you know, going at the schools, coaching the kids, starting Saturday morning clubs up. And then it was sort of um, old, uh, old age pensions, tea dances. So the footballing side was great, but I couldn't cope with birthday parties and mm. things like that. But uh, but it's, it it gives us it gives us a, a fantastic grounding into the coaching environment, which is is put us in good stead for the rest of my career, really. Because uh, I've always said one of my strengths as a coach, I was able to deal with obviously international players in, in one level, and then also I was able to deal with a seven year old because I would come down to their level. Yeah, you know, which, which again. You, some players and some people, some coaches can't do that. They can just they want they can only coach the men. They can't come down to the youth level mm. or even lower down, you know. And it's uh, so it gives us a right good grounding to be fair on that. And uh, and we still, you know, we had had good support because we had, you know, people like Paddy Carroll, uh, Kev Warnsby, who was you know Kev was chest of the field mouse, you know, and Kev <laughs> and and uh, you know had good staff really. And these staff were people who had been. Basically, you know, um, the pits had closed. They didn't have a job, so they came here. And if it wasn't for them, you know, it's uh, we wouldn't have gotten it up as running as what we did. You know, mm. because it was those guys who I was the figurehead. But it was them guys who went, went out into the schools every day. You know, and and I, I if anybody's listening, I apologise if I can't remember everyone's name. But I had about 10, 10, 15 staff, and they'll know who it was over a period of two years. Who were fantastic, you know, looked after mm. the, the school parties and this and that and everything else. And I would be, I'd come in near the end and just present with his birthday cake or something, you know, and then, or, you know, and it's, uh, but again, like I say, it was a good grounding for me in the coaching side that I, I learned how to be able to coach young players because they are different. And, and, yeah, yeah. and it's, they still are now. They still are now, you know, how you coach a, an eight, nine year old is different to how you coach a first team player. Mm. As simple, simple as. Rogers looking for Morris. And Morris has made it a chance, and there's Norris. He scored for Chesterfield. Six minutes gone, and Liverpool have been beaten by Chesterfield's first strike on goal. A typical Chesterfield move in which Rogers picks out Andy Morris, the big man. He outleaped the England defender, and at close quarters, there was Steve Norris to poke it home. Chesterfield leading here at Anfield. Liverpool nil, Chesterfield one, six minutes gone. You've, got, you've been mentioned on a few podcasts in the past, but Bob Bloomer mentioned you, um, <laughs> obviously from that. Um, he wouldn't United say game. anything nice, Bob, would he? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and also um, Jane Haslam, who was then Jane Ebbage, uh, I spoke to her about kind of starting women's football in Chesterfield and yeah. and and she spoke about you in very yeah. glowing terms about the importance of having someone who... Um, had been a professional footballer and was kind of a professional coach, yeah. kind of starting the women's game in Chesterfield yeah. at a time when, you know, it's not like it is now by any stretch of the imagination. No. So that was kind of a huge thing that you were part of, wasn't it? It was. And again, I, I can't take any 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 compliments or any praise because what Jane Evage did at the time, she was absolutely magnificent. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guy who was alongside her, like called Wild, I think. I uh, can't remember his first name, uh, who uh, basically they did all the hard ground. Again, like I said, I was the figurehead who came in and and and, and coached and started coaching and basically supplied them with balls, bibs and cones. You know, that was part of it, you know. And, uh, but, you know, it's nice of you to say that and, you know, I really appreciate that. But it was, 
at the time something new. Nobody had done it. You, you mm. know, what, what women playing football? You know, it was it was unknown. You know what I mean? And and it was, it was you know, Jane had this. Uh, she could see in the future where she knew because she was passionate about it. And she, you know, some of the things and some of the pictures and some of the the kit that that wear at the time and things like that was was virtually disgraceful, really, when they were representing our club, Chesterfield. But to be fair, you know, I was there. And yeah, and we did some sessions and you know, and being part of talks and things like that, and tried to help them out as much as I can. And 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 that's. But again, I keep saying that's what we do at Chesterfield. Mm. We, we, I think we we are people, and we were from when I was at. The, that the club to to now, you know, I think people work together. You know, you go to the ground now, you've got lads down there working in the ground who've been there for 50 years. They're still there now doing the same job as when I was playing. Mm. You know, it was the same people. You know what I mean? So that tells you something about it. You know, I know people will have moved on, but there's quite a good nucleus of people who have stayed at the club and supported the club, mm. you know. And, and I've always believed, you know, again here, it's it's always been a good community club. You then ended up your first team coach at York, yeah, uh, for a bit, and and they had a bit of a cup run as well, wasn't there? You mentioned like the the Middlesbrough, um, kind of Chestfield uh, yeah. cup run and stuff. There was the game against Fulham, wasn't there? Yeah, we, yeah, Tigana's the, Fulham. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was at the time. To be fair, it was, uh, yeah, it was. I went, I left Chestfield, and I went to York as youth team coach to start with. Uh, and, and I always remember the uh, the chairman there, uh, uh, Douglas Craig, who was terrific to me, really supportive in everything I did. And it was it was two two different ones. It was being a youth team coach at Chesterfield, basically on a shoestring, to going to York, where they had everything. Mm. You know, and the, the, the club were more interested in the youth team than they were with the first team. So everything was set up for it. So I was, again, very fortunate uh, to move into that role. But I only got that role because, obviously, at the time I played at York for the the five or six games are there. I made an, I must have made an impression on Douglas Craig, who was the chairman at the time. Uh, and then four or five, well, six years later, brought us back as youth team coach. You know what I mean? And then, and then like you say, so I was there for about a year and a half doing the youth team. Got to the fifth round of the FA Youth Cup. Uh, with the the and then uh, and then we played West Ham, and uh, took them to a replay. Uh, in in a nutshell, West Ham beat Coventry ten 0 in the. So, you know, it just shows at the time, again, we had young kids, but it was a scenario with West Ham uh, and us with Middlesbrough. You only had one chance at it. Yeah. So, we, 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 you know, we played West Ham at home at, at Bootham Crescent and uh, we drew 1-1. Should have won the game. You know, we had the better chances and, and um, you know, we had there were Carrick, there was Cole, you know, they, they had all the, mm-hmm. these lads at the time. And, and then we took them to a replay. When you're talking about then, talking to Ray Blair, the Joe Coles and the Michael Carricks turned up with that game. And it was men against boys, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. You, know, again, you only have one chance realistically at playing against that, you know, and it's... Uh, but yeah, it was um, it was, uh, it was good times at, at York. And then uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think as I'm speaking to you, uh, I think the manager got the sack. I think it was Alan Little. Alan, Alan Little got the sack and then Neil Thompson took over. And Neil was their player, well, player manager, and uh, great lad again, good player, really, well, really enthusiastic about the game, and you know that's why he's been in the game at that level because he's a Sheffield Wednesday now, and he's he's in he's been a caretaker manager a few times, and but a, a good lad, and but he Tom was still playing, 
So he asked us, would I like to move up? The actual chairman at York at the time said, no. No, I want you to stay where you are. The future of our club is youth development because uh, that's how clubs survived, you know. And uh, and he said, no, we, we need you to stay there. And he goes, but it's up to you. I'll support you what you did, which it's normally the other way around when the, the coach is trying to tell the chairman what to do. Um, he was telling me what to do. And I, I just said, chairman, look, I, I fancy the the I fancy the opportunity. And it's uh, and I went up with Neil. And like I say, with Neil still playing, uh, great learning curve again. Because obviously he, he was playing, he couldn't make all the decisions. By the time half time came, he, he was knackered anyway because he'd been playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and things like that. But it, Neil was very supportive and, and again learned a lot from himself. And, and it didn't surprise me and it hasn't surprised me. 40 years later, he's still involved in the game at the highest level, mm. you know, because of for, for that. Uh, that way. And then, well, yeah, and then uh, Neil got the sack and then uh, Terry Dolan took over. So and at the time it was a case of didn't know Terry, uh, didn't know Terry, and it was a he, he ended up uh, just came in and he, the first week was interesting because we never spoke to each other, so we're in the same office and we never spoke, and it was uh, so I because I, everybody was saying Terry was going to bring his own man in, and and after so I never I never forced the issue, and then after about a week, I just said to Terry, look, you know if I'm going, tell me. Uh, not a problem, you know. If if I'm not, tell me as well, you know. And, he, and his words were, and I'll never forget. He said, "I'm here to manage, you here to be my assistant and coach." And he said, "Anyway, I can't say because the chairman won't let us." So <laughs> I knew I was on a good thing then, to be fair. But then, you know, Terry Dolan's become really one of my me, me best friends. You know, who's who uh, again? He just he just missed out taking Bradford at the you know a few years earlier to the Premier League. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and people, I think. He got, you know, he, I don't. He when he was at Hull City, he got a lot of stake and abuse at Hull. But again, they were in financial meltdown, and he couldn't do anything about it, you know. And then he went to Bradford, and and like I say, he, you know, he, I think he was one game. I'm trying to think of the, the team he played. They played it, but they were one game away from being in the Premier League, you know. And then he ended up in these. But uh, and again, another manager who, you know, learned so much from. Just slightly different. Terry was very quiet. Just got on with the job, mm. but very methodically, whatever he did. So I was always fortunate. I ended up, uh, like I said, working with Terry. And then, uh, and again, but unfortunately, like I say, we went into administration. Uh, we should have, we just missed out on the playoffs. And it, it was the time when really it was a sweet big blow that Chesterfield should have been deducted a few more points than they should have been. And we would have went in the playoffs. Uh, and that was the time when I think they only got. I think Nicky Law was in charge at the time, and you know it was the Luke Beckett uh, scenario because we tried to sign Luke Beckett and then realised he had two contracts. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's uh, so unfortunately our chairman he, he didn't let that drop and it carried on and and Chesterfield got the points deducted, but they didn't get what they probably should have done or what we were expecting York at the time. But it was a sweet bit because I had my wife who was a season ticket holder. I was going to say, was that awkward? Yeah, uh, it was a very awkward time in the household. I had uh, then you know I had. Uh, Obviously, made connections with Chesterfield, which you know, which is second to none. That's why I'm still in this, still in the area, and still contact people at the club. And it was very awkward because it was, you know, personally, I wanted us to go up or mm -hmm. be at least again the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was a very difficult time at the time. So being kind of around Chesterfield all yeah. this time, obviously, it's yeah. been an interesting <laughs> few years, decade. Yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously with, with you being ingrained in that um community work from when you finished playing uh now it's kind of back again but there was that spell in between where it all went a bit yeah went a bit funny from kind of being on the outside but in the area what have you kind of made of these last few years interesting i think like everybody else interesting it's it's you know, on the football side, uh, we've always said in Chesterfield, which they are doing now, and, and and Paul Cook's got the team going and playing really well, you know, which makes my life a lot easier now because my wife comes back happy after games, so it makes my weekend <laughs> a lot better. And uh, But for them, a couple of years, you know, where it was in and out, it was, it was just sad times, wasn't it? It was sad times for not just the club, but for... Um, for the community, and I think you know, without going into too much detail, because I don't really know the detail. Mm, yeah, um, sure. You know, when you've had a, an old a chairman who was involved in it, who people say he didn't put money in, but did he put money in? We don't know. As in Dave Allen, you know, it's you know sometimes the grass is never greener. But I think uh, the club and the supporters pulled together, and you know, you look at it now and you go there, and you, you think in the the National League, and on average, it's eight and a half thousand. Mm. You know, now that's not just down to that's not just down to the way Paul Cook is playing because Cookie sets his team up to play attractive football and yeah, he'll score four, but we might concede three, you know, but he doesn't set out to do that. But and but it's it's put bums on seats again. And it's and I always look when I go to a club, uh, like I do with Chester, and see how many young kids are there who enjoy I was just, I was just gonna say I've football. never seen so many kids inside that yeah, ground. You know, and, and again, that's the future of of the club and that's where the community comes into it you know uh, th these are your future fans you know so come and support Chesterfield you know I used to say to Norton Lee years ago and we ended up trying to get a sponsorship with well we did in the eventually with uh, Chesterfield Corp and we had the, corp, the family stand and it was just a trying buy because every time we, you know I used to do my soccer schools at Chesterfield nobody came in at Chesterfield Top. it was always Sheffield Wednesday Sheffield United Liverpool Man United this nobody wore a Chesterfield Top. well and now you go what you walk around town or wherever, and kids have got Chesterfield tops on. And they're proud to be Chesterfield, and that can only be good for, for the club, but yeah, also yeah. Good, for, good, good for the community. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, so it's, uh, but it, I think it's very exciting times. And, and you know, I don't want to say it because we're still, uh, we, it's not even Christmas yet, but <laughs> I think uh, I'll be very disappointed uh, personally if we don't go back up. And I Looking say, promising. I, I shouldn't use the word <laughs> really, but uh, I still do. We, 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 you know, and it's um, and uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where we finish. And I think, but if we carry on like we're doing, I just don't think there's a, I don't think there's a Rex and there's a Notts County around financially who can compete no, with us think, yeah. in this league. You know, I went to a game a few weeks ago when, and I looked on the bench, and when you see Will Greg, uh, Cole Clough, and people are on the bench, and you go, wow. And uh, you know, and which tells you a story, you know. And I think Cookies does what Cookie does well. He he, so, he he sort of gathers a squad which can compete at the highest level, and and he's brought in great experienced players mm. who have seen it and done it, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I think also like like the Wrexhams in this world, the teams who normally come out the National League, that they're that well organised and bringing good players. That even let's let's hope this time next year when they're in the league. I think they'll be successful in that division as well. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you know because I think the squad they've got, and and I'm sure if they do go, Paul will be given a, a little bit more money to spend, and uh, and you know trust in Cookie, shall we say? Mm. He's he's done it before. I'm sure he'll do it again. Great. So you're kind of EFL. You work for the EFL. Yeah. What is it? Youth development 
Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm the regional manager in the youth development. So, yeah, so it's uh, and the the role in that day, on a day to day basis, I'm I've got now sort of eight clubs I look after. Uh, basically, you know, from Sunderland to Middlesbrough, Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, to Grimsby, you know. So I've got sort of them sort of clubs. So I've got a good mix of uh, we call them now. They're, they're all graded into Cat ones, twos, threes, and fours. The Cat ones are mainly your Premier League clubs, but also in that is the FL Sunderland and Middlesbrough. And then you've got your Barnsleys and your Sheffield Wednesdays who are Cat twos. Then you, this time next year, you might have Chesterfield who are a Cat three or a Cat four if they come into the program. You know what I mean? So my, my job on a, on a day-to-day basis is is going in to support them clubs. Uh, we've got a process to go through because every club now gets grant-aid funding uh, from the Premier League and ourselves, and uh, and they've basically they've got to comply with the rules, rules and regulations. So they've got to be compliant and safe to operate. Mm-hmm. But my job on a daily basis is, is checking them, uh, going in. So I speak to, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm fortunate that the clubs I've got, um, I speak to uh, the managers, and then I, but I also speak to the under nine coach. Mm. You know, uh, and, and our role really over over a three year period because everybody gets audited by an independent company, and uh, uh, which will dictate and then if they get the funding or not. You know, so we're there to support them to get them through the audit. And then just to basically support them and, and making sure that they're, they're trying to deliver what they, they say they're doing, which most of the clubs are doing, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, so, which, uh, but it was a stopgap because obviously when I came back from St. Vincent's and then I went down with Danny Wilson at Milton Keynes, um, I took this job uh, just as a stopgap because I, I wanted to get back into coaching and managing. Mm. Uh, here I am 18 years later, <laughs> you know, which is... Uh, which is yeah, a job, you know, it, it does. And it, it's one of these where, I've, you know, at the time when I first started, I had 17 clubs I looked after, you know, and that, which was, and it was, like I said to you earlier on, it was uh, mainly down to the Southwest. So I was traveling to Brighton, Torquay, Plymouth, you know, uh, Swansea, Cardiff. So it was, uh, it was a lot of time on the road. Uh, it wasn't in, a, it, it wasn't like it is now where people have got to make sure that they tick every box and mm-hmm. people find a safer operator. But, uh, but it was uh, interesting. But I, I, I love the job. I love the job because I'm fortunate I can get into, I've got eight, like I say, eight clubs. I go into eight clubs within every two weeks, see different people. I still get me buzzed by watching the coaches coach. Uh, I, I get me buzzed by speaking to some of the younger coaches who probably, you know, want a little bit of advice or, you know, or ask for the advice. And, uh, but the job entails really not just the coaching side, it goes from basically, um, the coaching side to the medical side to the recruitment side, and then we we even to the board level. You know, leadership and management. Does the does the club actually believe in the academy? You know, again, I, I've seen it probably both ways. One at York City, where yes, the other way at Chesterfield, where it was it was very difficult all the time because it was the the support probably wasn't there all the time. You know, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's uh, love the job. Like you say, being in an area year, and it's because uh, it gives us something different every day. You know, it gives us something different. Again, there's times when we have issues that we need to sort out, which becomes quite difficult for some reasons because certain clubs there grant aid funding is you know it could be eight hundred grand. Mm. You know, so they've got to make sure that they comply with the rules because if they yeah. don't, they they lose that. You know, they lose that. But it, no, it's a really enjoyable job. Like it gets us out. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, to kind of finish off, because I know I've taken up loads of your time, but um, 
we, I, I always have a little YouTube search and stuff if, I, if whenever I'm looking, see if I can uh, see some clips. And um, and you oh, did score. <laughs> you scored. You scored three goals for for Chesterfield. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, I think yeah. there was maybe a cup one as well. Um, yeah. But I think it was three league goals. I think it was yeah. South End, um, Wrexham, and you also scored against Bristol Rovers. I think it was. I did, yes. Um, and Nigel Martin was in net then. It was, yeah. And that, that video is on YouTube. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. So well, I saw it on YouTube. You got proper clonked by Nigel well, Martin when you when you stabbed it home. Well, I still believe it was Bob, uh, Bob Loomer's fault. Because <laughs> I think the ball that he put in the box wasn't proper. You know what I mean? But uh, we we have a laugh about it. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was an interesting one, and it's. I, I haven't seen it to be fair. I haven't seen it. Link. So I'll, I'll try and uh, have a look at it. But uh, I, I can't remember. I remember going in for the ball, and again, like I've said, I shouldn't have probably went in for it, but because the player was, you know, it was and probably that's why I had to retire with the injuries because I went in the tackles, which probably I shouldn't have done. Uh, but unfortunately, this time I, 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 lo- I remember just trying to made a run, lobbed it up, tried to lob it over him. I think he just come out and covered us all together. And uh, I can't really re- remember much about it in- until I woke up in the hospital and it was about eight, nine o'clock and uh, the lads were still in the car park because the chairman wouldn't pay for us to get a taxi back home. So he waited <laughs> all back. And, uh, which, so you can imagine the game finished at five o'clock, or quarter five, which they all did then. And I think we were still in the car park because I think they played at Bath then, uh, Mr. Rovers. I think they played down in Bath. And uh, so I think I wasn't uh, too popular when I got on the team coach and uh, we were about four hours late from leaving Bristol uh, Hospital or Bath Hospital at the time. But no, it was, uh, yeah, I think I scored more own goals, David, than I did uh, actual goals, you know. Uh, it was one of those clips where I watched it and I was like, oh, oh, there's a goal. And I, and I watched yeah. it and I went, oof. Because yeah. Nigel Martin's not a small chap, is he? So no, I imagine no. he leaves his mark. Well, he wasn't there. Yeah, he wasn't there. But uh, now, like I said, I've never seen the clip, but and, and I can't remember too much about it. It was one of these, and it's uh, but it's at the time it, when you look back now, and it you know, you, we look at the how many concussions and what happens to it. I think I played the Tuesday, you know, I, you know, I was I was still being sick on Monday, Monday morning mm. with concussion, but I played on the Tuesday, and you know, r- rightly or wrongly, but I wanted to play on the Tuesday, I felt I could play on the Tuesday, but I probably would have had two weeks off now because yeah, yeah. you know, they're not allowed to uh, with the the uh, concussion. Uh, protocols, you're not allowed to basically uh, play straight away. You know what I mean? So, but no, no, but the uh, career, like you say, you know, I was with, with Danny Wilson as well down at Milton Keynes, which is interesting. That was a, and I went back down there last Thursday to do some work down at Milton Keynes and to see the stadium they've got, you know, and then, uh, like you say, to finish off with, uh, uh, went over to St. Vincent and took them through the World Cup qualifiers, which was terrific. And, uh, and again, good experience. You know, looking at the weather today, I wish I was back out there. I was going to say, I bet that was nice, wasn't it? How much time did you actually get to spend? Yeah, to be fair, yeah, I was out there for, officially, contract-wise, for, I think it was about uh, 13, 14 months. But I was, I'd went out a month before that just to see if I wanted to do it. You know, so it was about 15 months, I think, altogether. But it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a tremendous um, adventure, shall we say. That's the word I prefer. You know, because you went out there and we were, we were preparing for the World Cup, you know, and we, you know, in, in the in the, in our group was Mexico, Trinidad, and uh, St. Kitts it was, and uh, yeah, uh, but really good times. And once I had all me, me full time lads, because I had lads who played for LA Galaxy, Benfica, 
you know, they were all over the world, really. You mm. know, but the job on the day-to-day -day basis is virtually what we've just been talking about, uh, developing the, the local lads on the island. So on my day-to-day basis, it was like for two, three days a, a week, I would coach basically what you would call the reserve sides. You know, but what uh, I went out there with a guy called Cess Pud, who used to play for uh, Bradford City. And, uh, and we went out there with an idea of, let's set this up as, as an academy in England. So we again started, again, probably that's why Cessna was out. I played with Cess at Halifax, so that was the connection. And uh, and like I say, we went out there and we started, looked after the, the national side, the, the, the men's men's side, but then started trying to develop the women's football, which mm -hmm. again, I, I'm still in contact with people out there. They've got like the under, under 16s, under 17s, now under 18s, you know, and it's uh, because now they're getting the funding that's, the getting which they should we should have had years ago, but unfortunately we, we weren't from a certain person which I can't go into too much detail about. But uh, he was vice president of FIFA at the time, and and I think that one of the reasons uh, I was relieved of my duties because I think at the time he was a very popular person in the Caribbean. I don't know why because he <laughs> Trinidad were Trinidad were building big new stadiums and places like ourselves and Saint Vincent and Barbados and Saint Lucian Saint Kitts. We were still playing on and sharing the cricket stadium, you know what I mean. And it's uh, but but yeah, looking at what they're doing now, you know, I, I'm very proud of again the, the year I was out there. When I look back, I think we took them up from 150 in the FIFA rankings to about 102. So we, you know, we did well, you know, and it's uh, and we were, you know, we did we did well. So to kind of wrap up then, so since being a you know a young kid at Roker Park, watching a match, you've kind of gone through. You know Brian Clough and getting plonked by Nigel Martin and uh, uh, having to retire early and then uh, doing community work and coaching and managing and doing youth development and all these other things. Are you still as passionate about the sport as you were when you were a little kid watching it in well, the stand? How's it all changed for you over the years? Well, it's funny how you've just mentioned what you've just done in about twenty seconds. There, you know, I think you sometimes just forget what you've done. Um, but it's probably as you, you've seen and gathered on, you know, the chat we've just had. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a passionate person. I'm still passionate about football. I'm I'm passionate about people. You know, you know. Because again, we, we look at it and say, well, not everybody's going to be a professional footballer, but can football make you a better person mm -hmm. by being disciplined, by being courteous, you know, and, and things like that. And it's and uh, yeah, but it's it's been a one hell of a journey. Uh, but it's a journey that I would never swap. You know, and I, and I still believe I've, looking enough, I think this is my 41st year and I've been fortunate I've stayed in it most of the, all the time, really. And it's it's something I wouldn't swap. Uh, I've had it up and sound. Do I see it as a job? No, because it's something, I've, it's a hobby, it's my job. Mm. You know, some of my friends sometimes, uh, you know, when, when we go and have a, a beer or whatever, they'll talk about football. And then one of them a few weeks ago said, bloody hell, I bet you're sick about talking about football here, aren't you? I said, well, no, because it's my hobby as well. So unfortunately, it's my job, but it's my hobby, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, but yeah, it's been one great journey. I thoroughly enjoyed it and met some fantastic people. And, you know, I've worked with clubs. I haven't had a, a lot of clubs, but I've worked with clubs when I was playing and coaching. And as you can see, I, I've always been probably a loyal person. Uh, Chesterfield, I was there for a, a lot of years. York City, a lot of years. Uh, the Milton Keynes and St. Vincent, you know, not too long. But then... I've been loyal to the EFL. You know, again, they've looked after me, I've, you know, but I've, I would like to think I've worked hard for them and, mm -hmm. and that's that's who I am. 
you know, I'm a, I'll, I'll try and help anybody as much as I can. And uh, and that's, that's, yeah, and that's where it is. But yeah, great journey, great experience, wouldn't change it. And uh, still going forward and being positive. On the hour, a Chesterfield free kick silenced the crowd as Adrian Shaw slipped through the Rovers' defence almost unnoticed. 2-1, half an hour to go. got engaged to my wife on the centre spot at Wembley as well. I was very, <laughs> I was very fortunate there because we were in, in the Carling Cup. Um, you know, that's our trophy. And uh, and I, I primed it with one of the guys there. So I took it, I took it down early doors on the Saturday morning. I said, come on, I'll, we'll go to Wembley and have a look at the ground. And the game was on the Saturday. And uh, yeah, and then took her out on the pitch. And typical woman who's, who's very football, passionate about football. When I said, come on, we'll walk on, on the pitch. He's gone. I'm not going on there. That's Wembley. I can't walk on that turf. <laughs> so I obviously tried to drag her, uh, and then uh, we got to the middle of the middle of the uh, the pitch and looked around, and, and she looked at and I, uh, looked around, and I just went down on one knee. Mm. And typical, she said, "What the hell are you doing down there?" <laughs> <Have> you <fallen laughs> down? 